0: When Jaguar showed their S-Type, a new largest sedan, in 1998 at the Birmingham Motor Show, it was a design throwback to their glory years of the early 60s. People saw it immediately and thought Jaguar, but that doesn't mean that it made it over-desirable. Actually, Overdrive raced a diesel S-Type in the Dutton Rally. It was fun, but it did look traditional rather than modern. Now, the S-Type was replaced by the XF in 2007, a much more modern car, particularly in its looks. The second generation has now just come out. It's priced from around $90,000 and upwards. It's in the large sedan over $70,000 class, and it competes with the Mercedes E-Class, the BMW 5 Series, and the Audi A6. Paul Morell from Practical Motoring and I have been driving some of the XF models And he joins us on the line now. Paul, thanks very much for your time.
1: You're welcome, David.
0: I found that when the XF came in, it had a number of almost cute features. The gear selector knob rose up once you turned the ignition on. It was inside trying to look very modern, perhaps break down that old image.
1: Yes, I think you're exactly right, David. Um, What makes a car feel quite special uh, little little touches like that and and things like a pop up gear lever knob which no one else has becomes a sort of wow look at me feature and that was certainly one of them it was interesting all round with the x the xf and the xj i mean you can say that trying to recapture old designs is not an easy thing to do and uh, the designer of jaguar ian callum uh, has sort of had a good crack at it and done pretty well but i think with the uh, the xj and certainly the XF. I think with the XF, he's pretty much said, no, we're not going to go back anymore. We'll go forwards.
0: I must say, it's got the balance right. It's a biggish sort of car. Uh, the, the sloping back of it doesn't look like it's tacked on or it fits awkwardly. It flows with the whole car, which I think really makes it look elegant.
1: It's a very elegant car. I guess it's, it's one of those things, as you say, with the S-Type and a couple of the other previous Model Jags. It was always easy to say, oh, it's a Jaguar, which obviously is a polarising thing. Those people who loved old Jaguars obviously loved the the retro styling thing. Those people who love modern cars keep saying, oh, but it's an old Jaguar. So to some people, that was a negative. You're right. The XF is a more cohesive design, but then by definition, it is also then a less distinctive design. D-
0: distinctively Jaguar. Oh, yes. I think you've got to come to grips with that, otherwise you end up with uh, the, was it Buick, or no, Oldsmobile in America had an advertising campaign that said the car your father would drive, which was meant to be great, but in the modern thing it said, fine, well, I won't have one. It hardly appeals to a young person.
1: Exactly right. And I think the expression you and I have used before, Harley Earl once said, you can always sell a young man's car to an old man, but you can never sell an old man's car to a young man.
0: I love that. Absolutely uh, uh, right. Uh, so now, the new one come out. Uh, have you driven a few? Did you? Which ones did you drive? Did you drive the petrol, the new petrol engine in it?
1: Yeah, the petrol engine one, I think, is probably the pick of the bunch. Um, you know, for those of us who don't have to pay for our own petrol.
0: <laughs> Four cylinder. It is that the new Ingenuine model?
1: Yes, if that's how it's pronounced, the new Ingenium, uh, make up a word and then make it your own. Yes, that is the new engine. The Jaguar have really have really advanced themselves in the past I mean, their the new engine designs, their new body designs their new car designs, and also perhaps more importantly the the way they 've improved their customer satisfaction levels i mean they 've really really pushed it along so things of of the of old with lack of reliability and bits falling off, and that famous british Leyland build quality. <laughs> Contradiction in terms now is very much a memory.
0: I drove a couple of the diesels, the 2-litre diesel and the 3-litre S. got to say, it's a new diesel engine. I reckon it's a purler You hopped in it, it was smooth. It was easy, it had no none of the negative feelings that you got from a diesel engine. had all the positives, low-down torque, it pulled away well, it surged nicely. You felt you were in a big car, but you weren't hampered by the weight. It was just, I thought, a lovely balance as well. Eight-speed automatic transmission, worked well?
1: It's becoming very much the standard these days in luxury cars, the eight-speed transmission. I mean, it's, it's the closest thing to just a seamless gearbox. You can't feel it changing gear. It just slurs from one, one ratio to the next. It's quite amazing. And I tend to agree with you. That 3-litre diesel is a lovely, lovely motor. It's interesting, isn't it, David? You know, having driven now a lot of luxury cars with diesel motors, how some of them are notably better than others, as in smoother, quieter, less intrusive. Some companies seem to have nailed this diesel thing to the point of you wouldn't know it was a diesel unless you were standing in front of it outside the car, and I think Jaguar is certainly one of those.
0: Look, I think there's some classic examples of that. Some of the newer four-wheel drives on the market have older design diesel engines, and I was talking to a mate while he stood beside the car and the engine was running, and I realised I was shouting, (laughs) and I realised... that that diesel engine, not a luxury car, but that whole concept of the diesel, it was a credible design, but from about 10 years ago, and it just, we've come a long way. Now, the shape of the new Jaguar, I believe the CD ratio, the coefficient of drag, is down to 0.26, which is amazing for such a big car, and about the same as their smaller XE.
1: I wasn't aware of that. That is an incredible number. I mean, I remember when the the Audi 100 came out in the late three early 80s. Headline news with that was it was the lowest production car CD of something like 0.3, and that was that was headline news then. And now we've got a car bigger than that, reaching what did you say? 0.2. So 0.26. 0.26.
0: Yeah,
1: astounding numbers. If
0: you get down just one number in that, or one decimal point in that you are working remarkably hard. There's no question. Mm. It's highly credible what uh, they've achieved there.
1: Handling, you know,
0: Jaguar's always seen as a lovely touring sort of car. Did you feel comfortable in this one?
1: Look, I think the handling of the Jaguar has always been... Jaguar won't give up its, its aspirations to sporting handling, even though they're a luxury car. And this is another example of that. I mean, it's incredibly supple across bumps and across broken surfaces. With our third world roads, so the Jaguar just smoothed them out, basically. Um, maybe the government could save money on road, road upgrades and just put us all into Jaguar XFs.
0: You know what? I can tell you a story. They were talking about, they had a consulting group do a review of replacing a road bridge in the countryside. Mm. And it was on such a back road, there were just so few people using it. The consultant calculated that you could buy everyone a Rolls Royce <laughs> that they could drive around it uh, in, and it'd be cheaper than building the road.
1: <laughs> it, it sounds like it sounds like the the um, you know the government world. Let's just put everyone in a Rolls Royce. It's cheaper than fixing the road or the bridge.
0: <laughs> yes, I think it was a little tongue in cheek in that regard. Uh, there's a good competition for the XF. We're talking about uh, Mercedes uh, E-Class and the A6 Audi are two examples that are selling particularly well. They are, in fact, selling much better than, say, something like the Lexus in that class.
1: Uh, does that surprise you? It does a little. Um, Lexus, I'm, I'm sort of tempted to say it's lost its way a little. That's not quite right. Lexus is just now starting to be taken for granted. In the past, Lexus was the almost the default alternative to the big three Germans the Audi the BMW and the Mercedes-Benz but now it's sort of there are a lot of cars competing in there and doing a great job and I think now we have a Jaguar as an alternative to those big three rather than a Lexus because the Jaguar is distinctively different enough to say well I don't want a BMW and I don't want a Mercedes-Benz and I don't want an Audi A6 so what else is there oh a Jaguar. Lexus doesn't seem to have that Differentiating factor that makes it i uh, will I'll put that on my list of an alternative—and I'm not quite sure why.
0: Well, it has great technology, but this is a class that is very much based on brand image.
1: Oh, totally, totally, and that's—that's—you know—that's what Lexus discovered early on. Breaking that—I uh, was all about to say Nexus—breaking that—that uh, situation of brand image was incredibly difficult, and and it still is, as as anyone from Infinity would tell you. Um, it's just simply a category that is not rational. People buy it on emotional, on a, for emotional reasons, and, and much of that emotional reason is the badge and what the neighbours think.
0: You know, that badge must mean a whole lot, because um, and back to the looks, I have to say that the Mercedes E-Class and the BMW 5 Series are not groundbreaking in their looks. In fact, some Mercedes, there's also the CLS class in that category as well, I can't say that I would call it elegant design. Perhaps in some ways a bit distinctive, but BMW 5 Series, to my mind, is not a work of art.
1: No, it's an interesting point. Uh, it's it, the people who buy in this category, and I'll be careful because they're the ones listening. The people who buy in this category are pretty much conservative. Um, they don't want they don't want to be too far out there. Jaguar has a couple of times. Push the envelope with being a bit a bit outrageous with its design and it certainly has pulled back a bit with the xf there's no question that it's been deliberately conservatively designed part of that is because of the conservative buyer also part of that is because if you're spending this sort of money for a car and we'll get the price at a moment moment but if you're spending a lot of money on a car you want to make sure that in three or four years time you haven't lost most of it because styling trends have changed by staying conservative the car doesn't date so quickly. So in three or four years' time, when the time comes to upgrade, people aren't going to go, oh, that's a terribly old-fashioned car, I don't want it. Look, it's a, it's a really complicated area.
0: That's a really good point, because as soon as I said that, I thought of the Jaguar XJ, the bigger, larger, upper-large sedan model. And I thought of the back of it when I first saw it, I thought it was really distinctive and stand out. And, and now I looked at one recently and thought, yeah, it's not bad, but it doesn't have that freshness
1: that yeah. I remember
0: the first one. I'm not blaming it. It's, no, no. Uh, your point is, it's damned hard work to get it right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, after, after a while, this sort of, what was, when it was launched, was a, you know, groundbreaking, eyebrow-raising design, now becomes a bit sort of passe, and and I'm not saying that about the space specifically, but, you know, design will change. And also, you can fall out of love with that sort of outrageous design. I mean, I look back at some of the cars I was in love with as a, many years ago. I won't say as a, as a youngster, but many years ago. And I look at them now and say, what, say to myself, what did, I, what did I see to love in that car? They were groundbreaking at the time, but now they just look sort of odd. I
0: remember as a kid seeing a picture of a Honda S600 sports car, mm. which was a chain-driven little thing.
1: I, I know, I had one.
0: Ah, there you go. I thought, wow, at the time. I and mean, I look back at it, and I remember the emotion I had at the time, but I don't have that emotion now.
1: Mm. I look at something like a Lotus Europa, for example, with its with its flying buttresses and its dropped nose and all those sort of design elements that back in the late or the early 70s were just spectacular. And as I said, I look at it and think to myself, what did I like about it? It's just it's an, odd, it's an odd-looking little car. We change. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, it's probably just as well in that sense, you know, you take a conservative approach because you know you're spending quite a lot of money.
0: Paul, that has been a lovely reflection. I feel I've learnt a lot from talking to you. As always, I thank you greatly for your time.
1: Thank you, David. My pleasure.
0: That's Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au. We are talking about the Jaguar XF and about general design and how you appeal to a market over a period of time.